Hi, y'all. You're listening to the Get Centered Podcast, presented by the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your host, Wendy Fralick, Executive Director of the Center. My guest today is David Potts. David is a board member of the Center, and among many other things, he brings lived experience with a physical challenge to his role. David, welcome to Get Centered. Hey, Wendy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for being here today. It is. Tell me about growing up, David. Where were you? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What did life look like? I was born in Dallas, Texas, moved up to Sepulpa, Oklahoma when I was three. Grew up in Sepulpa, graduated high school there in 96, and went off to college. Did you have siblings? Yeah, one older sister. She's four years older. Okay. And was it like farm life? Were you living in more town life, suburban? Suburbs. Suburbs. Like definitely not a farm, just out in the suburbs. And what did your parents do? My dad was an attorney, and my mom was actually a teacher at the high school I went to. Really? What'd she mm. teach? Sophomore English. <laughs> okay, that works well. It was fun. She had to. She was the only one that taught honors sophomore English, so she had to be my teacher. And <laughs> everyone always thought that would be easier. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Couldn't lie to her about not having homework or anything. Isn't that right? She knew what was supposed to be done. Oh, so. yeah, she was there at school, so she knew everything I did. <laughs> And then where did you end up going to college? I went to Trinity University down in San Antonio, Texas. And what were you there? What were you going for? Well, I didn't quite know when I started. I ended up, I got my Bachelor's of Science in Psychology. Okay. And there was a situation, right, while you were in college, which made a dramatic change in your life. Yeah, actually, it was was actually right about four weeks into my freshman year. I was actually involved in a car wreck down in San Antonio. And because of that car accident, what has changed in your life? Pretty much everything. <laughs> That's a real wide open question, but I, had, I got, suffered a spinal cord injury. I had a traumatic head injury. I was in a coma. I was actually in the hospital for quite a long time. I got really lucky. I mean, I'm not knocking any other hospitals, but I got really lucky. Brook Army Medical Center, like the best military hospital in the nation, was about five minutes away from where I got hurt and I got to go there. And my dad was actually in the Air Force Reserves he switched over to full-time active duty, and I got to stay there. Wow. So I got very, very good treatment. Not that I would have got, not got good treatment someplace else, but it was, they, they, they're not quite FDA. They gave me a lot of, like, battlefield treatments and stuff that wasn't approved as of yet mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you get into this car accident. You end up at this hospital, and you said you were there for a very long time. How long were you there? I don't really remember. I was in a coma. I think I was in that hospital for probably like 10 or 12 weeks, and I went to, then I transferred to a hospital in Dallas. I was there for quite a while. I don't remember, then I finally got back to Tulsa and started going to a hospital here for like outpatient therapy and so forth. And when were you told that you had a spinal cord injury? I mean, you're in this coma. Is it when you come out? Is it that you had been out for a while and you just, like, how did that process go? Well, when I had got it, I mean, I don't know if you want to say easier per se, but I had a traumatic head injury. So, I mean, I, I don't really remember waking up. I mean, and I don't really remember or understand a quiet. I mean, I, I just know I kind of woke up. My mom and dad were there kind of thing, and I, I couldn't move. That was basically what kind of threw me off at first. I didn't really understand what was going on. It took time to kind of understand what happened, and I don't really have a timeline on it because it was all kind of blurry. 
And so what does that process look like where you're coming to terms with a traumatic brain injury on top of it that you are going to be using a wheelchair for the foreseeable future? I mean, I don't even know. I'm not trying to avoid the question, but I mean, it was just that. I don't know. I mean, just kind of got out. I mean, I just got really lucky in my family. I mean, pushed me and I mean, didn't let me just kind of stay at the house and so forth. I mean, I got back. I mean, and they told me I would never go back to school, never do anything. And my dad, the day I got out of the hospital, enrolled me in a class at school. And my grandma used to have to push me into it. <laughs> so that's another interesting point of what your prognosis was versus what your future actually has been. What were the prognoses for you at the time of the incident? I mean, I've, my injury is C6 through T4 on the spinal cord. They told me basically I'd probably never really get full movement in my arms or anything. I most likely would not recover from the traumatic head injury. I wasn't going to go back to school. I was never going to drive, that kind of thing. And I don't know, I kind of took that to heart and tried to and told them I was going to prove them wrong. And you have. <laughs> and you I shattered did. all of those things. I did. <laughs> so talk about that now. So, you know, you again, you had this spinal cord injury. You have this traumatic brain injury. You are extremely successful now. So let's talk, uh, he, as he's shaking his head back and forth, but I consider him extremely successful. So tell us about what that looked like, that experience for you and how you got to where you are today. I mean, I guess I just have to say, I got really lucky my family was as good as they were. My mom, my dad, my sister, my maternal grandma. I mean, they just, they pushed me. They just let me know that, I mean, it's just going to hold me back as much as I let it kind of thing. And I think that's what helped the most. So as you say, you get released, your dad enrolls you in college the next day. So what college was that? Uh, TU. So University of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Now you're going in still with the thought that you're going to, did you have an idea of what you wanted to study at that point? Like, did you know what you were going in for? It was like, let's just see if this works. That, that's more what it was. It was just more where they, my dad enrolled me in one class just to kind of see if I was going to be able to do it kind of thing. And he, I think it was an anthropology class I started out in just because it was something I was halfway interested in kind of thing. And it took that class and once I did all right with that. My dad's like, all right, you're going back down to San Antonio and being a full-time student. So you went back to San Antonio at that point. Which I think was a, I think it was a good thing in the long run because it got me to where I was basically on my own and I had to like really learn to be self-sufficient and not rely on my mom and dad or other people helping me as much. Were you living in a dorm? Yeah. So you were in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. living in a dorm, mm -hmm. in a city where you don't have your family. Exactly. <laughs> It was fun. <laughs> but, but that's, I think, that's what made it so great, though, kind of, I mean, being out on my own, having to, like, you know, learn to do things myself, learn to be self-sufficient, live on my own kind of thing. You also talked about the prognosis of you would never be able to use your arms again. You can use your arms now. Yeah, I got very lucky. But I think you were also starting to say that your injury qualifies you as a quadriplegic. Were you about to say that when you were talking a little earlier? I mean, I never really thought of that, but I guess technically at first I was, but I, I got really lucky and got full arm movement back. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to school. You maybe technically were a quadriplegic, if not a paraplegic, mm -hmm. and you are living independently. And now what does that look like as you continue to go to school? And how do things start to come together for you so that you are able to concentrate on what the future looks like? I, mean, I don't really have a great answer for that. I mean, I just, 
I don't know, I just decided I was going to graduate school, so that was just my goal, and I just did everything I had to to do that. And you graduated with what? What was your undergraduate? BS in psychology, Bachelor of Science. That's right. And then you decided that you weren't done. No. (laughs) Then I decided to go back and go to more school. (laughs) And you went for what? I went to a law school. I got my Juris Doctorate. Mm -hmm. So you're now an attorney here in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Tax attorney. Yes. So are there no ramifications from the traumatic brain injury, or are you able just to manage those now? How about that piece of things? I mean, honestly, the only real continuing effect of it is my, my, I don't know, no one can see, I'm kind of pointing to where I landed, sorry, no no one can understand that, but I I landed kind of on the back of my head, and I actually had to sew my right ear back on, because that actually got, but that's like where your sense of smell is, so my sense of smell is, it's not non-existent, but it's nowhere near like it was. That's really the only real impact I still have. Which That's amazing. I, I can deal with that. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, people lost their sense of smell with COVID. So yeah, that's, that's true. pretty amazing. You get your Juris Doctorate, then what? So was that down in Texas? No, no actually, I went to a law school here at TU. Okay. University of Tulsa. And then now you're trying to find a job with someone in a wheelchair and again just challenges that that presents itself and I'm not sure if it did but was that difficult for you no I mean honestly it really really wasn't I mean I have no problem with the job I've never no one's ever said anything I've never really got any real animosity or anything like that from it and it was easy to secure a position no one questioned about you being in a wheelchair at least not to my face no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, and I, I don't think anyone ever, I never really got that impression or anything like that. No real uncomfortable situations or anything. And again, same thing with clients. You're working with clients and everyone treats you just like everyone else. You don't see the discrimination that sometimes people in wheelchairs face. Not really at all. No. So I think this is really interesting because we often ask our guests if they consider themselves to have a physical challenge. So do you consider where your life has ended up, do you consider yourself to have a physical challenge? Well, I mean, to be realistic, I mean, yes, I'm confined to a wheelchair per se. And I mean, and stairs are my enemy. I guess you want to be like that. But, <laughs> but I mean, beyond that, no, honestly, not really, no. So I mean, and it, and it really just kind of goes back to, I don't want to be a broken record, but it, it only holds you back as much as you let it. So how accessible would you say Tulsa is for someone that's in a wheelchair? Tulsa, it's not bad, actually. I mean, I've been, I mean, there's, there's better places. I've been worse places, too, though, kind of thing. I mean, it's, Tulsa's pretty good. You just got to kind of plan accordingly and make sure you call ahead to places, make sure that they've got, that they're accessible and so forth. But the city itself is really good, all the sidewalks and so forth. So... As we strive, I mean, I would love to make Tulsa one of the most accessible cities in the country. Would there be any recommendations that you have to make that come to fruition? Because we're not there yet. So what would be those things that may be considered as we try to work toward that effort? I mean, maybe just more people took whenever places are being designed, just take into consideration more that there are people who are disabled who need different stuff. I mean... I mean, a lot of issues are just they'll put in little steps or like places go in, they remodel, they don't make the bathrooms totally accessible. That would probably be my one big pet peeve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you also said that your one of your original prognoses is that you would not be able to drive. Yeah. So tell us about that. Where is that in your life now? I've been driving for quite a while. <laughs> that was one of the first things I beat. Then I had to go get retested and everything. I do, I do drive with hand controls. 
and everything. But yeah, I am driving. I mean, I basically I transfer over to my car, then I take my wheelchair apart and put it in the like back passenger side of the car, and off I go. And so that is an ability that you have because you use a manual wheelchair, yes. right? So you're yeah. able just to get it into yeah. a space where you can throw it behind yeah, you. it breaks down, and I mean, I've got a pretty lightweight one, so it's easy to get in and out. And how difficult was it to get a driver's license once you had your injury? It was more I had to get cleared because of the traumatic head injury more than anything, and then you just go... And, I mean, it was kind of like when I learned to drive in the first place, my parents just took me to a big empty parking lot and said, here you go, and learn to drive with the hand controls, and you have to go get retested with the Department of Safety or the traffic. I'm not quite sure what they are with the state, but whoever, whoever is your Department of Transportation, lines, probably. We'll, we'll the, yeah. <laughs> I do tax law. Do <laughs> okay, so, again, sort of switching here, you talk about doing tax law. Is this like the dream for you? Like, are you, is this the job where you're like, this is it? I am, I'm so happy. I mean, honestly, yes. When I first started out, not exactly kind of thing. I mean, it wasn't like I wanted to be a tax attorney. I wasn't fascinated with that. And I wasn't even quite sure I wanted to be an, an attorney. But then I, well, let's kind of even backtracking even more. In an undergrad, I majored in psychology, but I finished all my classes in that. And I still had to have 128 hours to graduate. So I was like, well, all right, I started taking law classes, and I minored in law, and actually I really started liking it. Wow. And that's kind of what got me into it. And then I was like, oh, I don't really want to start working. Let's go to law school. And again, your dad's an attorney. Yeah. So he must be super proud of you for following in his footsteps. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to, you were now a tax attorney. You utilize a manual wheelchair. How did you become engaged with the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges. How did that happen? And that's the crazy thing, because I mean, I was here in Tulsa and I'd actually never heard of the center. And then I, I changed jobs about five years ago and I'm with my law firm, Hall Estel. They strongly encourage city involvement, which is a, a great thing. And they basically gave me a list and I was like, the center, I, I, and I saw the center and I was like, I don't even know what that is. And I started looking online and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to get on the board with them. And you've been on the board how long now? I think I'm coming up on three years. And during that three years, I mean, you are... It might be longer, actually. (laughs) I think it might actually be be four or five now, Lord. Time flies, Time flies, David. When you're having fun. So I've been with the center three years. Okay. Your your predecessor was the one that got me on, so I've been there over three. So, yeah, it's probably been like four or five. And you've been a huge asset to the center since we've been able to work together, just continuously helping the center. Talk about what you think your contributions have been to the center. Well, I'm kind of your go-to attorney on a lot of things. That, I mean, and definitely just making people aware and getting people involved and so forth and, and developing the center because that's, that's the main reason why I'm involved kind of thing is just develop and expand and be able to offer more services. Yeah. So I just want to mention that the center's board is very diverse in terms of the backgrounds that people bring to the table. Certainly, David is one of my go-tos for uh, attorney assistance. Lots of tax stuff that actually happens with the center and other things that we're involved with that we're constantly pulling him in on. And just integral to getting us through that. I mean, it's such a huge piece of making it successful. So first, I just want to thank you because you do bring so much value to the center and want to keep you on there forever if I possibly could. So what would be your 
big goal for the center. So we do three three-year terms. So it's nine years. Someone can be on the board. What is the one thing that you would love to see the center accomplish before you roll off? Well, it's kind of putting me on the spot. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I can really think of, of one thing. I mean, just the, the whole general thing of just expanding. I mean, getting more people aware, getting more people to donate, and just getting people more involved. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. Get people in there, right? Mm -hmm. Make sure that people know that we're a resource. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, that. it's so beneficial to everyone, just all the different programs and everything the center offers. Mm -hmm. And I think it really helps a whole lot of people. It does help a whole lot of people, but I love hearing it from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> So, David, first of all, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you coming in and chatting with us. But, you know, I always close with what gets you centered at the center. So, David, what gets you centered at the center? And honestly, I feel bad. I don't remember the names, but I've gotten involved with the with some of the youth over at the center. And we do like some of the walks and just seeing how happy they get. And since we, I know we're getting the new playground here pretty soon, I mean, it just, I can't remember the there's that one little boy with the glasses. He's just so high energy. He, Calvin. Calvin, yes. <laughs> just watching him, I mean, that's one of the best things about it, just seeing how excited he gets. And, and all, all the girls. Emma, I think, I mean, there was a bunch of them. But I just mm -hmm. seeing how happy they get and how they're going to get to be involved and do stuff and actually feel normal, not feel different. And I really try hard not to comment after I ask that question, but I will say what is so important for especially our youth is to see successful adults who are yeah. like them. Exactly. So it's, it only holds them back as much as they want kind of thing. I mean, they can go out, they can go to college, they can drive a car, they can get married, they can have kids, all that kind of stuff. I've done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's new information. The fact that you are married, you have kids, like life is good. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great to see someone be able to be so successful. And we want to make sure that the world knows yeah. that people with physical challenges, whether they consider it a physical challenge or not, are able to be successful. And we appreciate that. And we appreciate you, David. So thank you so much for being here today. Definitely more than welcome. And just thank you to the center for everything you guys do. Thanks, David.